It's our delight today as we continue in our worship and open the word to have the Beckman family with us. And if you are new enough to Northfield Baptist Church that you don't know them, uh, they are a missionary couple that we have supported since they first headed off to the field. Uh, They are ministering in the land of Thailand. Uh, They're bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to that part of the world. How many hours ahead of us are they? Twelve. Twelve hours. So they have, uh, they've wrapped up their, their Lord's Day, right. their, their time of worshiping together. Yep. Uh, the Word of God has already been proclaimed there in Thailand, and, uh, uh, and uh, they've gathered in worship, but, uh, but the Lord has used them there in that land, and uh, it is a privilege and joy for us to be a part of their team uh, as they are uh, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to Thailand. So uh, they're with us today. Nate will be opening the Word this morning, uh, back this evening, and we're going to hear more of a report yep. about what is happening in Thailand. Uh, as uh, as the gospel is being proclaimed. So, Nate, we welcome you and your family. Good to have you back. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Well, good morning. Not too shabby. <laughs> I bet you if I say good morning at, during the Sunday school hour, it will be even better. <laughs> and for those of you who set your alarms or did not set your alarms or change your clock, welcome. <laughs> we just worshiped a moment ago. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) It's always a special pleasure to be here with you at Northfield. We really, really, really enjoy coming and worshiping here. My whole family would say that. It's as if you know the songs that we sing during our family Bible time and you plan them just for when we're going to be here, and then next Sunday you go to 200-year-old hymns. There's nothing wrong with 200-year-old hymns 200 years ago. Um, (laughs) Yeah, how do I go into the Bible from that? (laughs) Let's just close in prayer. (laughs) It is a special pleasure, and we enjoy immensely the worship. We enjoy seeing old friends, and we enjoy hopefully making new friends as well. For those of you who don't know us, you now know our names. This church is also special because Pastor Ashley uh, was one of the first pastors that I met when we were on the deputation trail. And back then, I was, I had hair. Um, I was this new buck, ready to go out and conquer the world and full of vim and vigor. And uh, he still allowed us to come and give a meeting, have a a meeting here, and share our burden, and uh, we are greatly appreciative. When we went to Thailand, we went in 2003. I was 12, Um, and we've been there full-time since 2003. In 2009, we started a new church. We searched for an area that, to our knowledge, had never had a gospel witness. We found that area on the west side of Bangkok, To our knowledge, no church whatsoever from any kind or denomination had ever been started in this area called the Binklao area of Bangkok on the west side of the river that runs through Bangkok, sort of splitting it in half. We didn't know any Christians. There was no small group. There were no Christians saying, come start a church in our area. There were none. And for the first four months that we opened up the doors for worship services and Bible study, for the first four months, not a soul walked through those doors on Sunday. Not one person. 
But praise the Lord that the gospel goes forward. And before we came home, that la- we came home the first week of July 2017. We're going to be returning in April, just around the corner here. That whole month of June, every Sunday, our attendance was in the 50s and 60s. Every single Sunday at Finklau Baptist Church. The gospel goes forward. Today, the theme of what we do today, here and this time during Sunday school, and then in the evening service where we spend time reporting and showing pictures by way of video of what the Lord has been doing, there's sort of a theme that runs through everything that we're going to talk about today. And that is the gospel going forward, the advance of the gospel through challenging times, in challenging times. I just shared with you facts that are true. The Lord has blessed Binklau Baptist Church from zero to running in the 50s and 60s every Sunday. And I follow that up and I say also that the last four years have been the most difficult years of our lives. Not only as missionaries, but just life. I don't know if I have what it in me. I think I probably do. I'm going to be careful because if, it could sound very prideful. But let me just say it, and hopefully it doesn't sound prideful as it comes out of my mouth. I don't know if I, if what, what it, where that line is where, that I would say, I quit, I give up. But at the time that we were going through very difficult, significant challenges, I was on a weekly basis for me. The thought in my mind, the reason why I didn't quit at those, in those moments a couple years ago, is it was because, frankly, in my mind at that time, my coworkers were on furlough themselves, and there was no way I was dropping the ball when there was no one to pick it up. At that time, that was it. Now, whether there was, maybe I could go for, I don't know. At the time, it didn't really matter. And there were a couple of things that God brought my way. About three stories, three things that God used in my life that I feel that brought me out of that sort of funk where I just thought, what in the world? Why does what I do even matter anymore? When all I'm doing is having these weekly conversations with people who do not want to have a conversation with me because they have left our church and they're going and living in sin. One of those things that God used in my life was a book that my pastor at First Baptist Church, Illyria, gave to me. That when he gave to me, I kindly accepted and put it on a shelf. But when the time, the darkest time of life came, I opened up that book. It's a book written by Paul David Tripp called Dangerous Calling. And the truth that, that came out of that book that helped me get me back on the path was this simple truth. And that is, my value to God is not based on what I produce for God. It is based as on who I am to God, and that is I'm a child of God. And I needed that at that very moment because when things were going really, really well at Binkau Baptist Church, I felt great. I felt special. I felt important. And then when things started to go, I didn't feel important anymore, and I felt like a failure. That was one thing. Another thing that God used to bring me back into focus is what I will talk about tonight after we share a video. So I'm happy that you will all be here tonight. (laughs) And then the third message that God used in my life to get me back on track is found in Acts chapter 15 and 16. 
And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We, we organized our church. I had an official organization ceremony where we signed the charter and 24 people came up. And that was September of 2014. We had a charter signing ceremony. 24 people, adults, 18 and above, committed themselves to the membership of Binclau Baptist Church. And that was our first group of members. That was September. January of 2015... We had special meetings, and the, those meetings, I had another missionary friend come in and preach to our people, and it was the, all with the idea of, okay, you have promised, you have committed yourself to this body, now take the ball and run. Here's the baton. Let's run together. And it was as if, at that very moment, the baton was trying to be handed off, but it was also as if... The Lord said, okay, now it's time for the raging seas to take place as he sits and watches. And people, one after the other, started to walk away. At that same time, my coworker and I had started this journey through the book of Acts. We thought, we're start, we've had this new church. People have committed themselves. We've organized. They understand what a local church is now. What better place to start in talking about what the local church does in the book of Acts? So we are preaching through the book of Acts. And we come to the first missionary journey of Paul, then we come to the second missionary journey that starts in Acts chapter 15. And I'm going to rely a little bit today because of time. I'm going to rely on the fact that you at least know in general some of these stories that have taken place. If I were to review very quickly, there are in Acts chapter 15 and Acts chapter 16, there are really five awesome events that take place where the gospel is going forward in new places. People are being saved. Miracles are happening. At the end of Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41, the first awesome event that takes place is instead of just one missionary team spreading the gospel from that church in Antioch, there are now two. Double the gospel influence. Double the gospel force. Two teams going out instead of one. That's pretty awesome. Then we jump down in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. And here in those verses, we see Paul has a vision of a Macedonian man Crying out, crying out to him, say, come over and help us. Preach the gospel to us. I've been in Thailand full time since 2003. I have not yet had one Thai man say, come and share the gospel with me. Paul had it happen. Then in those verses following, in verses 11 through 15, Lydia is saved in Philippi. That's awesome because First Baptist Church of Philippi started in the house of Lydia. Pretty cool. Then in verses 16 through 24, a girl who has been demon-possessed, what, what appears to be for years, is set free from her demon possession. The Bible doesn't say so, but I believe that if she's set free by the power of Christ, she accepted Christ that day as well. And then... The cherry on top of that frosting, on top of that wonderful cake in that city of Philippi, a Philippian jailer and his whole family are saved miraculously because God causes an earthquake. That earthquake appears to have been put on by God, caused by God simply for the salvation of one family. 
God caused a miracle to take place for the salvation of one family. That's what God will do for people he wants to be saved. Event after event, miracles taking place, awesome events happening all over so that now there's a church established in Philippi. Awesome. We like awesome, don't we? How have you ever thought, how did each one of these awesome events take place? What made these awesome events possible? The truth is, and this is what we're going to spend the rest of our time together looking at this morning. Each one of these awesome events that takes place at the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey, starting in Acts chapter 15, going into 16, the second missionary journey continues in 17 and following. But each one of these awesome events took place either through or as a result of serious, significant, difficult challenges that God allowed into Paul's life. Every single one of them. So that if we were going to, well, if we, if we were going to start with the end of the story, yeah, all right, a Philippian jailer and his whole family are saved. How did Paul end up there? Well, it starts at the very end of Acts chapter 15. Remember that first awesome event that takes place? That first awesome event that takes place starts at the very end of Acts chapter 15. Instead of one missionary team going out from that church in Antioch, there are now two. Double the gospel influence. Two teams going in different directions, spreading the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that and that alone brings salvation to humanity. Awesome. Well, how did that church in Antioch have the awesome blessing of sending out two missionary teams instead of one? Paul and Silas went together and Barnabas and John Mark went together. So what's the problem? Looking at Acts chapter 15, verse 39, we read it this way. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed the way to Cyprus. How did that church in Antioch have the awesome blessing and opportunity to send out two missionary teams instead of one? Two of the godliest people we know in the New Testament got in a fight. That's how. The greatest missionary of all time, Paul. And a man whose real name isn't even Barnabas, that's his nickname. The son of encouragement. The guy who never fights anyone got in a fight. And the Bible says there arose such a sharp disagreement. Some commentators actually comment and believe that these men actually came to physical blows. I don't think so. But there is no arguing that these two men were arguing. And it was arguing over Barnabas's nephew, John Mark. He had gone on their first missionary journey, didn't last very long. He was a quitter. Barnabas says to Paul, John Marcus changed. Paul says, he ain't changed. Barnabas says, I think he's changed. I know him. He's my nephew. He's going. Paul says, he ain't going. Barnabas says, he's going. Paul says, over my dead body. Barnabas says, let's make it happen. (laughs) And the pastor of that church in Antioch says, guys, guys. I know how we can come together and work this out where we can agree. Just go different directions. (laughs) Split up. 
And whether we like it or not, and the truth is we don't, that sometimes God uses personal conflict between two godly people to do what? Spread the gospel in ways it hasn't been spread before. That was the first awesome event caused by conflict between two of the godliest people we know in the Bible. Then we jump down to that next awesome event. What was that? Paul has a vision of a Macedonian man. Clear direction, direct revelation from God by a vision of a Macedonian man saying, come preach the gospel to us. We want to hear it. How did that happen? Well, at night, Paul has this vision and the rest is history. And they start on their journey to Macedonia, modern-day Greece, right? So what's the problem there? What's the problem with clear direction from God to go preach the gospel in a place that has never had the gospel? Well, in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, we read it this way. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, which is today southwest Turkey. Verse 7, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, which is northern Turkey today, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. You understand what's going on here? We like this idea, and it's really awesome that God gives clear direction to Paul. Go to Macedonia. In the middle of what in Paul's life? They try to go to Asia, Asia Minor, right? From what we know about Paul, how willing is Paul to take no for an answer? (laughs) So Paul knocks on the door of Asia Minor, if you will. They say no. Paul says, that's not a problem because I'm willing to deal with the consequences of my actions. Paul was willing to go to jail. Paul was willing to risk his life. So, when when you're willing to risk your life, when you're willing to go to jail, you're willing to deal with the consequences of your actions. There really aren't that many obstacles in your way. I have fear about going to jail. And so sometimes that makes me count the cost. I don't like rejection, so sometimes I pull back instead of sharing the gospel bravely as I should. That wasn't Paul. But for whatever happened on that time, however it happened, it became very clear that God was not allowing Paul to go into Asia Minor. So here's what he does. Knock, knock. No. Knock, knock. No. Okay. Knock, knock. <laughs> he just turned around and went the other direction. Because those people in modern-day northern Turkey needed the gospel as well. And for whatever happened and however it happened that time, God made it very clear to Paul that this is not where you're going. So one of the godliest people that we know in the New Testament, the man who's willing to deal with the consequences and accept the consequences of his actions, is maybe for the first time in his Christian life confused about God's will. So that he needs a vision of a Macedonian man to know it's time to go to Macedonia. Had he not had that vision, he's sitting there waiting for a plan. Because God has made it very clear, you're not going into southern Turkey and northern Turkey. 
And sometimes God goes against what we feel is common sense to spread his word. Sometimes he does not allow us to do what would be really, really, really good. Would, would spreading the gospel and missia have been really, really good? <laughs> well, yeah. How about Phrygia and Galatia? Well, yeah. That wasn't God's plan. Sometimes God allows us to go through times of these of frustration and maybe confusion. Because what we see would be really, really, really good. But in the end, his plan that we don't see is perfect. Not really, really, really good. But when you're in the middle of it, how do you feel? Now you know how Paul felt. Then we come to that next awesome event that takes place where that church in Philippi first starts in the house of Lydia. Lydia accepts Christ as her Savior. That's really awesome. Paul and Silas, do you remember how, how Lydia accepted Christ as her Savior? So they hop on a boat, literally, and they cross a sea. They go into Macedonia, make their way to the city of Philippi. And there in Philippi, they meet a lady named Lydia who's having a prayer meeting and a worship service with her lady friends. Do you remember where? Down by the riverside, right? So what's the problem? We'll look at verses 9 and 10 there. I guess we'll start in verse 10. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding, sure, convinced that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, when we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. What's the problem there? When Paul would go into a new city and preach the gospel for the very first time, where would he go? Do you remember? The synagogue. So what's he doing on Sabbath down by the riverside with a bunch of women? Apparently, there weren't ten Jewish men in that city of Philippi to start a synagogue. And so Paul has to go, instead of going to the synagogue, which which was where he always goes that first time in any city, he's down by a riverside. You understand? Back in umbrella. You understand what's happening here? Paul has a vision of what? A Macedonian man. He goes to Macedonia. He ain't, that guy ain't even there. I've seen, I know the Lord's direction for me. I've seen that guy's face. He goes into Philippi. He's looking for that guy. Not only is that guy not there, nine of his friends aren't there either. So Paul goes to a riverside where he hears that there's a group of women who fear God, pray together and worship God on Sabbath, probably Jewish ladies. And there, God does the awesome, and he saves a lady in whose house will start the very first church. Sometimes God goes against our expectations To, in the end, do something beyond our expectations. 
Then we go down from Lydia, and we have that next awesome event that takes place. The story in verses 16 through 18, there's a demon-possessed girl who has made money for her masters. And this demon-possessed girl has been set free from her demon possession. How did that happen? Well, Paul casts those demons out of her. That's pretty awesome. A girl is set free from the power of Satan himself that day. That's pretty awesome. So what's the problem? Well, in verses 17 and 18, we read this. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Verse 18. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So what's the problem there? Have you ever been around people that, even though they're telling the truth, you may not want them announcing your path? (laughs) What this girl was saying was absolutely true. She was not helping. So that she is set free from her demon possession from the very moment that Paul met her, right? No. What is the Bible... How long did it take before Paul set her free from her demon possession? The Bible says she followed them for days. And Paul, in his deep burden and wanting all people to know Christ and his compassion and his sympathy and his feeling of empathy for this poor girl, says to her sister, come alongside. Let's talk. What problems have you had in life? Right? No. Paul in his annoyance. Paul being annoyed with this girl. Says, he turns around. She's been following. Get out. In Paul's mind, was this girl the proper target for the gospel witness in the city of Philippi? I conclude no. Because in Paul's mind, if this girl is the proper target for the gospel message, maybe she's saved from the first day. Instead of after many days and in his annoyance. And sometimes God uses the most frustrating circumstances in our lives. Sometimes he doesn't just use those frustrating circumstances. Sometimes he causes those frustrating circumstances to enter our lives for the purpose of spreading The gospel. We come to you this Sunday in 2018, a larger family than we were the last time we were here in 2013. When we came in 2013, we had two children. Ryan, our oldest, and Hudson, our youngest. And now, (laughs) we have this little girl named Naya. In our minds, we were completely finished having children, happy in our minds at that time with two, thinking, we're done with two children. In God's mind, he clearly wasn't done with us having two children. He had another one coming. And I stand here And I don't say, this isn't a testimony of 
how good I am. The truth is, I confess to you that the morning that I woke up and my wife has this very stressed out look on her face saying, Nate, I think I'm pregnant. My first words were, honey, that's not even something to joke about. <laughs> that, that's true, actually. I said that. And I confess that what God meant as a blessing that would open up the doors, new doors in our neighborhood to witness to people, to make new relationships at that moment didn't feel like a blessing at all. A blessing from God, a child, at the moment we found out that we were pregnant, didn't feel like a blessing. That's really sad. And how often do we see the things that God is bringing and are allowing into our lives? And in our own minds and then through our eyes, we see them as just frustrations that need to be prayed away. Rather than opportunities for the gospel to go forward. Sometimes God uses those things the most frustrating circumstances to enter our lives for the purpose of simply getting the gospel where it has not been before. Then we come to that last awesome event that takes place in Acts chapter 16 in that city of Philippi. The story of this Philippian jailer and his whole family coming to know Jesus as Savior. How did that happen? Well, Paul and Silas had the wonderful opportunity to lead that whole family to the Lord. So what's the problem there? A whole family is saved. What's the big deal? Well, if we were to start, we won't start there, but for the sake of time, but in verse 22, after Paul and Silas helped this girl who's been demon-possessed, set her free from her demon possession, her masters cause a riot. A riot going all the way to the city magistrates, the governor of that city. So that, that governor of the city, he allows men to grab a hold of Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are stripped of their clothing, they're beaten, and they're thrown into prison. And then we pick up the story from there, how Paul and Silas in that prison, while they're, after they've been stripped and beaten, and now they're chained to a floor, probably a cold, dark place, prison that would have been underground, not like a prison we see in these days, or carved into a rock in the side of a mountain, something like that, where there would have been barriers, natural and, uh, and man-made barriers, to keep them inside. And while they're singing praises and sharing the gospel through song in the middle of the night, God causes an earthquake. That earthquake rattles the windows and doors of that prison so that they are off their hinges and every prisoner could have walked out of there free that night in the dark of the night. They hear that jailer pulling his sword out of its sheath and they cry in the darkness, don't harm yourself, we're all here. That jailer calls for a light and takes it in and sees that all of those men are there so that he does not say to Paul and Silas, share with me what it is that you have your hope. He already knows because they've been singing it all night long. He simply goes to them and he kneels down and says, what must I do to be saved? 
And Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And in the middle of the night, his salvation causes him to take Paul and Silas out of that jail. He takes him to his house, which was probably very close by, because this all happens in the dark of night. He cleans Paul and Silas up, and there in his house, Paul and Silas witness to that jailer's whole family, and that whole family is saved and baptized that night. Hallelujah. So what's the problem? Well, we pick up at the very end of Acts chapter 16 and verse 35, and we read it this way. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, the magistrates have sent to you to let you go. Therefore, come out and go in peace. Verse 37, but Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No! Or in modern day English, no way! Let them come themselves and take us out. What happened? You guys, brothers and sisters, and oh, you guys, brothers and sisters in Christ, people, what happened to Paul and Silas was not just the result of them sharing the, the gospel in a place where it was illegal to share the gospel. No! What happened to Paul and Silas was illegal by Roman law. They were stripped. That was illegal. They were beaten without trial. That was illegal. They were thrown into prison. That was also illegal in the law of Philippi itself. All of what happened to them was completely illegal. And sometimes in God's perfect plan, he allows us to not only go through frustrations, but sometimes God even allows injustices to take place in our lives for the purpose of simply putting the gospel in a place where it has never been preached. Sometimes God's perfect plan involves personal pain and suffering and even illegal and injustices to happen in order for the advancement of the gospel. Who here volunteers for that one? I don't. So what's the point? Looking at Acts chapter 15 and Acts chapter 16 and seeing the difficulties that took place in order for the gospel to be translated into this area called Macedonia, for the gospel to be spread, for hope to be taken to Macedonia, that city in Philippi, some questions come to my mind. Questions like, whose sin caused Paul and Silas to have all these problems? Who sinned between these two guys that caused all these problems to take place? The answer is no one sinned. But how often do we interpret the problems and junk that come into our lives as a result of our sin? And it may not be that at all. Maybe simply God putting things in our lives so that the gospel goes forward. Or... Another question comes, what should, looking at the big picture of Acts chapter 15 and 16, teach us about God? Does God predetermine or ordain the problems that come into our lives? I suppose that depends on your theological perspective. Whatever you believe about that, whether he is the one who causes it or he allows it to happen simply because of the sinful condition of man, there's no arguing that throughout the course of Christian history, God uses problems, difficulties, Hard situations, fights, whatever it may be, injustices for the purpose of spreading the gospel. 
We understand that the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the power. It's the gasoline in the engine. But I have come to conclude that the car that takes, the ga- that, takes that gospel places are problems. And so, whether you believe that God ordains the problems or they come into our lives because of the fallen condition of man, there's no arguing two key truths that we see throughout the New Testament. One, God uses these things for the purpose of spreading the gospel. Two, in man's effort to stop that and Satan's effort to quench the gospel wherever it would go, God always wins. We all want comfort. I want comfort. We all want a peaceful life. I want a peaceful life too. But how much effort do we expend in avoiding that which God would use to spread the gospel, the name of Jesus Christ, in a way that he has never done it before? In a way that other people will finally understand it for the very first time. How much time do we spend in prayer meeting asking God to take away that which he put into our lives for the purpose of spreading his name? Now, before you think pie in the sky, Nate, coming here once every four years and saying something dumb, we also understand that Paul, in his own life, prayed and asked God to take the problems away. So I stand here and very quickly say, ask God to take those problems away. But if he doesn't, Paul prayed for that thorn in his flesh to remove at least three times. God didn't take it away. Paul's prayer quickly changes to not my will, but thine be done. Okay, then we'll do it in weakness. Another question that comes into my mind, uh, as we look at this big picture at the very beginning of Paul's second missionary journey, how much of what happened in the second missionary journey happened according to the plan of Paul? None. Nothing went according to plan, but the gospel went forward because God's will is perfect, and Paul was simply yielded to that. We all want comfort. What are we willing to do and not do for the sake of comfort? What problems would we beg God to take away rather than say, how will you use my life in this problem? And friend, what situation is happening in your life, maybe even right now? Right now. Where when you walked in and you were on your way to church this morning, you were thinking about it. Last night, when you went to bed, you were thinking about it. And today, when you came in, that was one of those things you had to try to get out of your mind because it's time to worship. And maybe you you haven't been able to get it out of your mind even now. What situation, what problem, what circumstance, what crisis even has God allowed to come into your life for the purpose of you having the opportunity to share the gospel with someone who needs to hear it right in this area of Ohio? We can grit our teeth and just try to get through each situation and each problem and each crisis and frustration Or we can recognize God's hand in it all. And we can realize this is how the gospel goes forward. And yield. Because God's plan is always perfect.
maybe there are things that you need to stop asking God to take away and start asking God to use. Because God still wants to save souls in Northfield, Sagamore Hills, Cleveland, Elyria, Bangkok, Thailand. So are the problems really problems? Not when they advance the gospel. Let's pray. Father, help us to be the people you want us to be. This is our prayer this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brother Nate, for that word. We're going to draw our worship time together to a close by singing. It's not just a mere formality. I know we do it every week. It's a time to respond to the Lord. And the song itself may be your heart's response to the Lord. I hope so. But we want you to know if there's any way in which we can be of help. Perhaps the Lord is just speaking in a special way to some things in your life and you'd like to maybe ask some questions, pray with somebody, uh, open the word, whatever it might be. This is a time for you to let that need be known. And as we sing, uh, we would invite you to come to the front. We'll have someone who can go aside with you and if it's just to pray, they'll pray. There may be some questions. They'll do the best they can to answer your questions. If you've come and you know this morning you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've never called upon him personally, that is where all this begins. The idea of suffering for Jesus, yes, it sounds foreign and scary if you don't know him. But as, as you come to know him and his forgiveness and his life, you will realize he's worth giving everything for. So if we can be of help to you. Uh, we're here now. <laughs> um, we'll have someone hang around after the service, and they'd love to talk with you. So let's respond to the Lord as we close.